Um, item 1, apologies for absence and declarations of interest. We've got apologies from Councillor Mills. Anybody else? Any declarations of interest? I declare an interest as Essex County Council, please, Chairman. Thank you. Item 2, minutes of the previous meeting, which was on the 13th of September. Were they an accurate record? Uh, Mr Chairman, sorry, I'm just dashing to get, to get mine up. Um, I have a concern about the attendance. Item. Sorry. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, so I have a, a, um, a concern about the, the response, the appendix, which is a response to my letter, which looks remarkably incomplete. Uh, now, I'm happy to, to, to go through in the matters arising, points from there and some other matters arising. Uh, but in addition, you will obviously be aware I wrote another letter recently with my concerns, and uh, I would prefer if time was allocated to that, because that then covers most of the, most of the points there. We'll take that under matters arising then. Um, okay, there are true record subject to what Councillor Lodges said. Um, any matters arising from PP 2427? <coughs> Uh, yes, on um, 26, we were going to, officers would confirm, this is back in September, when the air quality action plan would be considered by the working group. Uh, we've gone on a long way and have no, no answer on that. Mr. Harbour, Mr. Glenday. <coughs> Thank you, Chair. We're still waiting for the final piece of work being done by Essex, and as soon as we get that, we will be reporting that to members. We're going to be touching on that later on okay. as well. Thank you. So we're up to 29. PP 30. Sorry, dashing ahead. I'm still on, to, on, uh, on 27, in fact. I think there you said that um, you'd got positive response, this was in response to, um, uh, uh, to the, to the um, seeking ad guidance from, from towns and villages. You said that you've got um, good positive responses from town and parish councils. This stri strikes me as rather strange because I know that for certain uh, Saffron Walden and Great Dunmo, the two principal towns, were not very positive about that. I just wonder where, where that came from and whether you really stood by that. Was that addressed to me? It was indeed, yes. It was your, it was your, um, your comment at the last meeting back in September. Well, Great Dunmo obviously had uh, produced a neighbourhood plan which um, broadly was in line with um, some of the earlier indications. Saffron Warden Town Council certainly um, <coughs> were not positive, but the other communities broadly were. Uh, Takeley have um, some concern. Um, so, that this was about the distribution policy. 
not about the new settlements. Councillor Dean. This is working. The lights stayed on this time. Yeah, I wasn't at this meeting, Chairman, so um, I'm just to some extent catching up, but I noticed that um, in PP 28 it was reported back about um, a workshop that had taken place on the uh, 7th of September and references made to um, a SWOT analysis, in other words, analysis of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats for the, the various potential new settlements. I just wanted to um, put, up, put on record that I, I was at the workshop on the 7th of September and that um, I subsequently looked at that SWOT analysis and did my own analysis of the analysis, if you can do such a thing, um, and, and I identified quite a number of um, inconsistencies in that, none of which has yet been bottomed out uh, in in any discussions that have taken place since. So I, I think it's, it, this really raises one of the, you know, the, the, the key issues that um, the public is aware of um, potential new settlements. Um, we as members are not yet satisfied with the information that has been made available and we haven't had proper uh, discussions to try and work, work our way through that. So to me that's one of the key uh, outstanding pieces of work that, that still needs to be done by this group and subsequently uh, the, the, the council. Um, do, 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 we, do you, at, um, do you, chairman or officers, at this point in time have um, both a timetable and a program to take this forward, such that we can actually get our teeth into this subject and start to come to some sensible? Well, I'll ask Mr um, Harbour to comment on this as well, but uh, I think uh, we're all quite clear that the um, plan has been paused. Um, it has been paused around four areas in particular, uh, the total numbers, the new settlements in the south, Saffron Walden and Great Chesterford. All of these require a lot of detailed work. Uh, I think particularly members of PPWG are aware that that work has been put, uh, is underway. Um, it is difficult to be precise about uh, when it will be completed uh, because it, uh, um, we're obviously subject to um, outside bodies in many cases to complete that. Uh, there are some indications. And then, of course, the outcome of that work could then lead to other work. So uh, it would be a mistake at this stage, not because we're dodging the subject, but it would, be a, it would be a mistake to put a timetable today on that, but obviously as soon as we can. But I think the most important thing uh, is that the, uh, the study is as comprehensive as it has to be not necessarily for everybody to agree with, but for everybody to respect the work that's gone into it. But I'll ask Mr. Harper to add to that. Right. The, um, the work is proceeding in accordance with a project plan. Um, the project
project board is monitoring progress against that, that project plan. Um, and uh, in due course, we will be bringing back that assessment to the working group for its consideration. Um, part of the work program also involves the production of topic papers, which will be setting out in narrative style the justification for um, the, um, the emerging strategy as, um, as we pull it together. Does that answer your question? Who's the officer who's responsible? Sarah, could you? We'll just see if we can get a steward to. Uh... Uh, mine is now Councillor on. Councillor Dean's on, but uh, we do seem to have some problems. If somebody can help us with them, okay, Councillor Dean. Mine is now on, so okay. I'll um, try to continue. I mean, I mean, I guess that. Um, this comes down to the meaning behind Mr. Harborough's statement about um, a narrative, because up to now, I think it's fairly well acknowledged we haven't had a narrative in terms of telling a story um, about both the proposals, what the proposals are, and, and I, you know, I'm one member who has not gone out of my way trying to inform myself about one thing compared with another. I've been trying to take a um, a balanced approach to it, and <laughs> that balanced approach so far has been that I haven't, I haven't received much information. The, the two analyses that we received, one in um, September and the other in October, was somebody's um, summary of their interpretation of it, but I, I, I think it's right that not only do we need um, a narrative, a description of the proposals, um, but also then the opportunity to discuss them, to question them, to get our teeth into them um, before we attempt to come to any conclusions yeah. in terms of what's, what, which ones might be suitable and which ones might be not suitable or less suitable if it's a, if it's a ranking. So I, I think what I'm saying now is we really do need a, a totally different approach from now onwards um, rather than the, the summaries that we've had so far which haven't been very satisfactory. Councillor Barker. Chairman, we have had this information. We have had SWOT analyses and we have had presentations from officers on the various merits and demerits SWOT analyses of various sites. I think what Councillor Dean is actually asking for, perhaps Councillor Lodge as well, is sort of be, to be spoon-fed. If you go on the website, there is a description of every one of the 360 sites that's been put forward, whether it's two houses or 10,000 houses. Is what they are actually asking is for us to extricate from the site a synopsis of this new settlement scenario and then to put the SWOT analysis on site that. I mean, I found myself quite capable of doing that for myself. I haven't felt that I've needed the officers to put them all on one sheet at one time. But if, if they were all on one sheet at the one time, is, is that what you're after? I just, I'm just seeking to understand. If I go onto the website and look up land securities at Little Eastern or sites west of Braintree or Great Chesterford, it tells me, it gives me the synopsis. If I then look at the officers' SWOT analysis, and they haven't dreamt it up. They are professional planning officers. They have looked at the proposals and looked at the transport issues and looked at other issues and come up with the SWOT analysis based on what is being proposed by developers. 
it's not an exact science, but they didn't get there by not knowing anything about the, the, the proposals. The proposals are out there in the public domain. And it's not very difficult to take the proposal, look at where it's located, look at the other things like the water cycle study and the transport study and everything else, and therefore do your SWOT analysis, which is what they've presented you with. And I don't know how many times one needs another SWOT analysis and another scoring by professionally paid planning officers for them to come up with the better options. I don't say preferred. Not many of us in this room want to build the number of houses we're being asked to build. There are good reasons for building them. But how many times do we need the officers to spoon-feed us this same bit of information? I'm going to move on. I think um, it's a... Councillor Parker makes a perfectly legitimate point, but obviously we're, we've paused it and a certain amount of the work will be coming back to you again. So I think you're going to get what you want, Councillor Dean. Um, we're on PP29. <coughs> 30, 31, 32. OK, well, duly sign those. Um, now, um, under further matters arising, before we get on to item four, um, we've received a letter um, signed by Councillor Lodge. Was it written by Councillor Lodge? That's irrelevant, Chairman. It's, it's actually not irrelevant. It's quite important. It was written by you in its entirety, because the, the, the writer of the letter was not at the Extraordinary Council meeting. That comes out in the text. You were. So, you posed the letter. Officers have received it. Officers will respond. Which officer? Thank you, Leader. <clears throat> The matters raised in the letter do seem to be matters which have already been fully debated at the Extraordinary Council meeting. Um, but just to run through uh, some of the headings, uh, the question of how the spatial strategy has emerged um, and the filtering down process. Of course, the, the number of options which we can look at has to remain manageable. You have to start from uh, a number of distinctive scenarios. There's no point in assessing alternatives which are sort of slight variations on, on each other. Um, so they've got to be different from a strategic perspective. And it, because there's a filtering process, it shouldn't come as any surprise that in the first cut you lose a number of the, some of the scenarios. Um, I've explained that we are going to produce some topic papers to uh, explain that, that, that filtering strategy and they will be presented to the working group in due course. In relation to duty to cooperate, the extent of discussion and integration with partner authorities is bound to be greatest with other local authorities within the housing market area and for others of course that means uh, our most developed mechanism is with East Hearts, Epping Forest and Harlow rather than with Braintree and South Cambridgeshire. It uh, shouldn't be forgotten that the duty to cooperate is not limited to cooperation between planning authorities. It includes cooperation with other public bodies. And two key agencies are Highways England and Essex County Council, just for example. And they've been involved in the Housing Market Officer Area Officer Working Group uh, and with the transport assessment that we have commissioned through discussions with our consultants, White, Young, Green. 
far as the Saffron Warden Transport update is concerned, the document to which the letter refers is not the report of the study, but an interim progress report which was intended for internal briefing purposes. It's not the function of a local plan to set out a school's organisation plan. There are many factors that bear upon uh, the demand for pupil places in particular schools. What a local plan needs to do is to include mechanisms for the provision of additional capacity and the council cooperates with the county council to achieve that. It's not necessary to have a district-wide air quality study because only in Saffron Warden Town Centre does air quality monitoring suggest there's the possibility of receptors being exposed to levels of oxides of nitrogen close to or in excess of national air quality standards objectives. An infrastructure delivery plan can only be finalised when the scale and location of development has been determined uh, and, if necessary, reviewed to ensure that necessary infrastructure can be provided. As far as the project plan is concerned, the reasons for the pause have been explained to all members. We're not yet in a position to publish a new project plan, not least because we need to understand the risks and or consequences of alternate target dates on which to submit the plan. Viability assessment work, as you'll see from tonight's agenda, has been carried out on the spatial options but it would be impractical to prepare various alternative versions of the draft plan and associated with sewer charging schedules. Um, you'll get a sewer charging uh, schedule if that's what um, the council decides to do at the time that a final draft plan is prepared. Thank you, Leader. Councillor Lodge, then Councillor Barker. Um, so there was, a, there was a, a hell of a lot in that response, which I'll come back to. But just before I do, finishing off uh, the minutes, um, I've got a particular, particular issue I have with the response to my last letter, and that was under the sustainability appraisal and alternative strategies for the transport study, for the retail study, and for the water cycle study, it was stated there when we asked for the terms of reference that this is a technical officer matter. Uh, that's something with which I fundamentally disagree. Surely it is the purpose of this body to look at those terms of reference to make sure that the reports we are later going to see actually represent the issues that we want to look at and the answers that we want uh, to be given. Respond to that, to Glendale. <clears throat> Thank you, Chair. Um, I think it's common practice when officers are commissioning work that that's done at officer level. It's a, it's a, it's a technical piece of work on that basis. Um, I think if members wanted all terms of reference to be ratified firstly by PPWG and then Cabinet before we went out to consult, that would actually slow a lot of the evidence-based work down. Um, it's certainly my experience on doing any local plan that the terms of references are agreed by uh, officer level and you know, we, we commission the work on that basis. But Thank you. Your next point? Well, well just on that, I, I agree that we, don't want to, we certainly don't want to slow down the process and so that we will accept, obviously the officers do a lot of work on, on all sorts of areas, so yes, absolutely accept that, but why can we not then see those terms of reference post-implementation? That's fine. Yep, you can. Fine. Thank you very much, then. 
Um, coming, coming on to on to my letter, and um, obviously you want to abbreviate the uh, the discussion on this, which I understand to maybe degree. But here we are, two months after the last meeting. Was, September was the last PPWG. Uh, I see that we're not going to have another one now until the middle of January. Here we are at an absolutely important time, and it would appear we've been given an hour this evening. Um, and and the, the, the overall agenda is incredibly light. We have very, mu very little of substance to, uh, to the real planning process. And coming back to something that Councillor Barker said um, earlier, um, a lot of information has been given to, to this meeting, and it comes down to maybe the fundamental nature of it. But we've been fed information. And I'll go back to something which I said at the meeting last week. Um, the amount of time we have spent discussing the spatial strategy at this forum is absolutely zero. And I find that completely unacceptable. Surely this is what this meeting, this forum is about. Can I just have a response to that first, please? Well, first of all, we have had lengthy discussions, but I repeat the point, the fundamental point. We have paused the plan to reappraise these options. That was the point of pausing the plan, because that's what members and indeed residents, some of whom are here tonight, wanted. So we will be going through each of the possibilities before they are put into our final um, proposal to the inspector in considerable detail. So. We're rather, I don't think we're in any disagreement about this, and, and we're at that stage where the, the, the work that we've indicated, Mr. Harbour has indicated, is underway, uh, which is why we're in a little bit of a lull, but when that work starts to come back, then things are going to be particularly busy um, in the new year onwards. Uh, I don't think we're expecting the transport study um, or the transport implications for the two developments uh, down the south until mid-February. Uh, but uh, we, are, we are dependent on the response uh, of some of the work that we've commissioned, uh, commissioned at the request of members and, and residents. So are you saying that we're, we're going to change our philosophy to a degree that we are actually going to discuss the spatial strategy at this meeting, which we have never done before. Is that a, ch is that a positive change we're it, going it, to it, see? It's not a change because it was always the, it was always the, the, the strategy to discuss the spatial strategy. This, this group was going to recommend to, to Cabinet, who then recommend to Council, for Council to make a decision what the strategy is that's going to be submitted to the inspector. That was always, that was, that's always what was laid out. So nothing has changed. So are you under the impression that we have spent time at this forum discussing the spatial strategy? Because have, I've we, only missed one, I think, and I didn't... This, I exchange, this exchange could go on all night, and I think members of the audience are getting a bit bored. But it's a very vital point. Chairman, the point is... Chairman, point of clarification. Um, Chairman, are, is Councillor Lodge's issue around where we're putting the houses, or is it around the hierarchy? Because the hierarchy, which was the possibility of one or more single settlements some development in our main towns and some other development, that was agreed many moons ago. So the hierarchy was agreed. There could be one or more new settlements, there would be some development in our major towns, and there would be some development, there would be some development in, in, in other areas. That was the hierarchy. That has been agreed by this PPWG from a workshop, by Cabinet and by Council. Now, that is the hierarchy. 
That is really at the spatial structure. I'm happy, I'm happy with the hierarchy, but as we know, the, the location of the two okay, proposed so we're not talking settlements about was, we're talking was about published locations. in a newspaper, and, and we, didn't, we didn't have the chance to discuss that at this forum. Uh, thank you, Chairman, for that clarification. So Councillor Lodge's concern is where the houses are going, not the hierarchy. Okay. Anything else, Councillor Lodge? Um, still haven't got the answer, really. Are we going to discuss, are we going yes, to discuss we the spatial strategy? Thank Second you very much. Word. One final point on that. Members have heard the responses to Councillor Lodge's letter. They haven't got Councillor Lodge's letter. Could I ask that Councillor Lodge's letter is appended to these minutes of this meeting? Okay. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Item four. Uh, Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan. Sarah Nicholas. Thank you, Chairman. Very, very quickly... Um, the Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan has gone through examination and referendum, where more than 50% of the voters voted in favour of the plan being used to decide planning applications in Great Dunmo. The plan is now being taken to Cabinet and Council to be formally adopted or made, as the terminology is, to become part of the development plan for the district and to help determine planning applications for the district. This is just um, for information for this uh, working group before going on to Cabinet and Council. So the recommendation is... I think the recommendation should be to congratulate Great Dunmo on delivering a neighbourhood plan. They've done a lot of work, excellent work, it's an excellent document, and I, at the Town Council meeting the other day, did congratulate them, because I think actually for the first neighbourhood plan in, in Uttlesford, it's a, it's a great achievement. Okay. Are you happy that At um, paragraph 12 in this report, it, um, 12, and then there's a, in italics, a 6, and it talks about uh, this authority having to be satisfied that the neighbourhood plan doesn't breach various EU obligations. Um, has, that, has anyone challenged that or uh, has the Council been satisfied that those obligations have not been breached? Yeah, we're satisfied those obligations have not been breached and nobody's challenged it. Right, thank you. Sorry, just, just a few words because I knew Mr Haynes was going to speak. Sorry, bear with me one second. <laughs> okay. um, so the Neighbourhood Plan Working Group commissioned um, two studies on um, heritage and landscape to support and guide the preparation of their neighbourhood plan. And members are asked to note the existence um, and evidence provided in these studies and they're going to be, um, we'll include them as part of our local plan evidence base as well. Thank you. This one, this one seems to, oh. Good. Yeah, I think it's working. 
Well, first of all, thank you very much for giving us the opportunity just to report on progress. We can't deliver a neighbourhood plan like Dunmo yet, but um, I think we are making a lot of progress, and this is really just to provide you with an update and to inform you at what is fairly a critical time with regard to the um, evidence base that we've already established, because I think actually it could be quite significant in terms of the preparation of the local plan. Uh, my name is Richard Haynes, and I'm responsible principally for... Try again, right? I don't have to start again, I hope. <laughs> um, but the first thing is to, have a, is to develop a proper understanding of what you've got at the moment, to identify what is important within the context of the village, uh, what needs to be preserved, and also what can be improved, be it through development or some more basic infrastructure um, improvements. We concluded that there were three essential assessments that needed to be carried out. Um, the first was with regard to the landscape. We'd realised from the um, inquiry into the appeal by Gladman on the Walden Road site, which many of you will remember, that landscape was critical. Uh, the setting of, of Thaxted was particularly important um, in the development of its character as a, as a centre. So we needed a landscape assessment. We also needed an assessment of the um, of heritage, but not necessarily the individual buildings. Uh, there's 140-odd listed buildings in the centre of Thaxted. It's a very tight conservation area. And so we concluded that actually what we really needed was someone to look at the setting of those heritage uh, assets, to look specifically at the church and the windmill, very prominent, the church with its 180-foot spire, uh, the windmill set on its escarpment. They were... Uh, the importance of those buildings is as much about the setting as it is about the architectural merit. So we commissioned um, consultants to look at that. And then the third element of the assessment we carried out was with regard to the centre itself, but we decided that that could be done best by local volunteers. So a group of about 10 of us have looked at the centre of, Thax, uh, of Thaxted. Um, we've got about 120 pages looking at it on a street-by-street -street basis. It's still in draft and I haven't given it to Sarah yet but I will do very shortly. But just to look very briefly at those three assessments. First of all the heritage assessment um, was carried out by a firm of consultants called Grover Lewis. Um, we had a very good relationship with Grover Lewis. What they did was first of all to look at the um, approaches to Thaxid, how those key buildings featured in the landscape in terms of the different approaches from Saffron Walden, from Debden, from Broxted, from Great Dunmo, Bardfields and from Great Samford. And, and their conclusions were that pretty much from all directions uh, the, um, the setting of those buildings was important in the context of those approaches. The only one where there was, it was um, uh, of limited value was with regard to the approach from Great Bardfield uh, simply because Great Bard, or Bardfield Road is ribbon development and the ribbon development does interfere with the views of the heritage elements. Um, then they, what they also did was because at that stage we just had the call for 
sites. We had got the um, uh, details of about 19 sites that have been put forward. We asked Grover Lewis to look at those um, sites specifically, and they came up with an assessment which was based on sensitivity, i.e. how important the buildings were that were being viewed, and also on the scale or severity of the impact on those buildings that development might cause. And again, there was a general view that almost any of those sites would potentially cause harm, depending on the way the development was carried out. But there was one site where they felt that development might actually enhance the um, setting of those buildings if development was correctly carried out, uh, and that's a, a site called Claypitt's Farm. Um, turning then to the landscape assessment, um, landscape is a vital part of the character of Thaxted and I think that was realised by the inspector in the, uh, the Gladman inquiry uh, I think one of the principal reasons for him um, dismissing that uh, appeal was with regards to um, the quality of the landscape so what we wanted to do was to do a thorough analysis of the landscape surrounding uh, Thaxted we commissioned Liz Lake Associates from Stansted to carry out um, a very major study. They have looked at just about every piece of land that surrounds Thaxted. Um, what they did was basically to um, not look at individual sites, but to parcel up the landscape and to identify areas where you had a common style of, of landscape, and then to look at what impact development might have on those individual parcels. Um, their conclusion was that what they've done is they've, they have um, looked at the capacity for development on the basis of a high capacity, a medium to high capacity, a medium capacity, low to medium capacity, and a low capacity. Uh, there were no, no areas, no parcels which had a high capacity or a medium to high capacity. Uh, the best they could do was three parcels which had a uh, medium capacity, and all of the rest they felt there would be very serious harm to the landscape if development took place within those parcels. Um, they then proposed some policy for the, um, uh, the neighbourhood plan, which are both of a general nature and also a site-specific nature, which is, is very helpful to us. So the overall conclusion was that the landscape surrounding Thaxted was important, seriously important, and development would be very damaging to the character of the village. We then turn, though, to look at the central area, and the general view is that the central area analysis, although not quite complete yet, um, this is, it's, it's not a, a read-through cover-to-cover. I mean, it is 120 pages of fairly turgid stuff looking at street by street. Um, so if you want to know what Margaret Street's got in it, you turn to the section on Margaret Street. But what we have got is a summary, which I will give to Sarah, although it's only still in draft, I will give to Sarah tonight if she would like it, uh, which does identify some opportunities for improvement uh, and also, in fact, one or two development opportunities because because I think the feeling is that there are areas within Thaxted that could be improved through development. We're talking about small-scale development. It's development where Thaxted's infrastructure could cope with it. It's not the 47 units that were approved on appeal at the second phase of Widow Road, where no consideration was given to the traffic coming out of the tan yard, which is going to cause utter chaos. This is small-scale development um, that could, with... with residential units that could be absorbed into the Thaxted community. So that's what we're looking at. We're, we're not anti-development. We are 
trying to find development that would be in the pro appropriate within the context of the conservation area and appropriate to the surroundings of Thaxted as a particularly characterful village. So thank you very much. Thank you both. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Haynes. If you'd just like to s just switch off for a minute, but if you just stay there just in case there's any questions. Um, any comments from colleagues? Councillor Dean. Yes, yeah, thank you, Chairman, and thank you. Mr. Haynes, I, I, mean, I found the reading of this uh, report very interesting and useful, and, and it <coughs> does seem to take a balanced approach. It's not saying, no, coming up with reasons for nothing happening ever and ever in future in, in Thaxted, and I think that's, that's a, a balanced approach. It seems very sensible to me. Um, I mean, I, 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 think I'm, I think I need to raise a point I raised previously to be for consistency, and this was that I, I hadn't realised until we had a report a few months ago about Great Chesterford that we were receiving reports here from neighbourhood plans, which I know are several going along around the district. And one of the things that I raised at the previous meeting was whether the district council was aware of the terms of reference that were given to um, to, to the people who did these reports, because in a way, you know, depending on what questions you ask, it often determines what answers you get. And, and so I think it's important that we, the District Council has visibility of that, so, so it knows what's happened. I mean, I raised this over the question of Great Chesterford at the time, um, and so I've, I feel uh, obliged to, do, to be consistent and do the same tonight. I commend you for your consistency, Councillor Dean. And, uh, be absolutely consistent because we've talked about terms of reference before so uh, that, that does need to be as a fair point the, the, the terms of reference for the two pieces of work that you've indicated tonight should be included in the, um, in the submission Yes, the, the terms of reference are on the Neighbourhood Plan website uh, they were also submitted to planning officers um, there's a planning consultant that is employed by Uttlesford called Rachel Hogger she was aware of the terms of reference went through them and um, was very happy with them uh, I think council officers have already expressed their, 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 the, the wish that they, they, they proceed and uh, they were actually they also went to Historic England as well so I think they were fairly well um, considered before they went out Thank you very much indeed. Uh, so the um, recommendation is to note the documents and include them as part of the local plan evidence base. Those in favour? Those against? Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed, Mr Haynes. Uh, so item six is the local plan evidence base update. I've got four speakers, so Mr Hindley, Mrs Merrifield, Mrs Barron and Mr Buhenko-Smith. Um, I'll again uh, ask Mr Fox, I believe, is doing this item, yes, uh, to start and then we'll hear the four speakers. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, yes, this is just a, a note, really, of progress on the various pieces of evidence that are underway, um, commissioned, and picking up on what Mr Harborough was talking about earlier on, and yourself, Leader, the, this also reflects the pause and some of the additional work we've had to commission uh, to, to back up our evidence. So it's, it's self-explanatory, Chairman, and colleagues and myself will hopefully be able to field any questions that members might have about it. Thank you. Mr Hindley? 
That, I think we've ascertained that that one's working quite well, so we'll make that the speaker's seat. Just to remind you, you've got three minutes. I should try and Mr Chairman, uh, councillors, thank you for letting me uh, address the meeting. My, my name is Chris Hindley and I'm a Little Eastern Parish councillor. Uh, first, I'd just like to say that the views expressed by me are the views of the community I represent regarding the evidence base for your choice of a single settlement. Um, as you may know, the parish councillors work very closely with neighbouring councillors and the district council consultants against the land securities appeal on the previous Eastern Park proposal. Uh, for those reasons, we hope that you will give respect to our views that are balanced and for the benefit of the local uh, knowledge and experience. Uh, we ask you to look very carefully at the opportunity to build a new settlement in the north of the district. It does not make economic sense to ignore the major investment in science, technology and engineering in the Cambridge area and in Uttersfield at the uh, Chesterfield uh, Research Park. Uh, our research from employment websites shows that there are in excess of 10,000 job opportunities in the Cambridge area. We're told that the new town will eventually have 10,000 houses and will have more than one access road, not just the A120. We have already challenged and won the argument against land securities on the harm any other routes would have on the character and, sustain and sustainability of our, of our villages. The Easterns Park option is based on land securities prospectus for a new garden settlement. On page 44 of that the document, they state one of the key advantages of Easterns Park is its location and access to the strategic transport, net, transport network being very close to Stansted Airport, likely to be the major job growth location in the surrounding area. I think it appears that too much emphasis has been put on the possibility of employment opportunities and housing needs generated by Stansted Airport. Most workers commute from Tottenham and Harlow areas and there are less, as of today, 100 job vacancies currently advertised at Stansted. Twelve years ago, the airport operator proposed a second runway and in doing so they purchased hundreds of homes surrounding the airport. Now there is no possibility of a second runway. These houses are being sold. You have had three minutes. I I'll finish quickly. We know that Ken MacDonald has sent you data to challenge your own forecast of employment. Uh, he has not had any feedback and can, we, can the council, the district council, please tell us how many Stansted Airport jobs are in your assessment? And finally, we'd like the Planning Policy Working Group to clearly explain to us what steps they have taken to evaluate, evaluate the merits of a settlement to the north of the district. We'd like, we would expect the assessment to compare like for like with other options with regard to transport links, housing demand and high quality employment opportunities and how these compare with Easton's Park. Thank you very much. Girls. Thanks very much, Mr Hindley. Um, actually, it's either uh, Mrs Merrifield or Mrs Goodwin, it says here. It's Mrs Merrifield.
Thank you very much. Um, talking to Stirling Parish Council and talking about Boxwood Wood and Andrews Field. Um, our first thoughts are why. According to the Department for Communities and Local Government, and I'm paraphrasing here, we will want to see evidence of attractive, well-designed places with local support. Um, there is no local support, as is evidenced in the written comments of the Issues and op Options Consultation. Therefore, where is the Council's evidence for this, of this support? Improvement to road systems is dependent on a number of houses built. The report states that there will have to be up to occupation of 1,000 dwellings for any improvement to the A120, A120 junction adjacent to the site, and up to occupation of 400 dwellings for a signalised junction to the B1256. This means the local roads will be at breaking point before any work is carried out, for example, using local roads as rat runs. There is also no reference to the inadequacy of the local rail services. It is essential for a new town of this size to have a close, ac close access to a mainline station. None exists with this site. Braintree Station is some four miles away. It is already inadequate for parking. In 2014-15, almost 900,000 passengers used Braintree Station and it is considered to be already operating over capacity. What evidence is there that Braintree Station could cope with the potential numbers of passengers from this new town? There is no real evidence of bus travel, which for sustainability surely should be included. It would appear that bus companies would be asked to develop routes according to demand. However, once people use their cars, this demand is reduced, therefore not contributing to sustainability at all. The study states that a high proportion of the dwellings are social housing. There is evidence that many residents leave behind extended family and familiar support networks. If this scheme were to go ahead, it would be essential all services for health, mental health, health visitors and family support groups be in place before the first people move in. This clearly would not happen, resulting in problems for residents and existing local support agencies and charities. It was stated previously by Councillor Barker that the NHS services would have to be left up to the NHS. However, surely it is grossly irresponsible to go ahead with new towns such as this without the assurance of all necessary health services that a community needs. You have had three minutes, Mrs. Merrifield. Um, I'll just go on a little while longer. Um, both Audley End Station and Great Chesterford Station provide regular half-hour services to London and Cambridge stations. The viability study states expansion of this, station, or this Chesterford in one to three years as not dependent on building targets, which certainly is not the case with Braintree. Costs appear lower than other sites at Chesterford and there is concentration on cycleways, better infrastructure, and the closeness to an existing very good rail service make an attractive option in a government-led growth area. Um, and I was actually rather concerned, Serving Parish Council were rather concerned for Uttlesford, because it seemed that they were rather short-changed in this study, as it was rather scant and detail and viability on Great Chesterford, and I wondered if it might be put in question by the, by the inspector. Okay, thank you very thank much you. indeed. Mrs. Barron.
Thank you, Mr. Chairman and Councillors. Um, Dunmo Town Council, I'm speaking about the Eastern Park development. Great Dunmo Town Council thanks your officers for recommending the making of the neighbourhood plan, which will bring it into the legal planning system. The neighbourhood plan was written over a four-year period by local people for local people and will be seen as a vital piece of evidence informing the district's local plan. Amongst other things, it sets out a development limit around the town. The call for sites has identified four locations which are outside of this limit. These are land west of Butley's Lane, the Yard Stortford Road, land adjoining Dunmo Park and Bardfield House Church End. We would now expect UDC to have regard to the neighbourhood plan and not progress these four locations in the local plan process. The neighbourhood plan identifies Great Dunmo as a historic market town whose inhabitants value the quality of the town's setting, landscape and character. Extensive consultation with local people revealed a strong desire to see a distinctive boundaries and sweeping countryside buffers maintained and enhanced and a prevention of urban sprawl. Eastern Park is being shortlisted for development for up to 10,000 houses. What evidence is there to justify the best location for such development as being just 100 yards away from the town of Great Dunmo? There is a need for an independent assessment on the impact of such a development on Great Dunmo. We need to know how it would affect the character, prosperity, transport and employment of the town. Is the study being undertaken? If not, would the District Council commission one as soon as possible? If there are benefits, we need to know what they are. If Eastern Park is being chosen as the preferred location, we need to know why. What we see and fear right now is a developer-led vast housing estate extension to Great Dunmo. We are already concerned about the A120 and the fact that traffic backs up along it at peak times. What is being done to prevent gridlock on this and Junction 8 of the M11 from traffic generated by development in the south of the district? Speaking on behalf of residents, we feel that there is a lack of clear evidence to support the location of this or any of the proposed new garden settlements. We ask that our district councillors engage with us. Please involve your towns and parishes in these decisions. We are willing, able and eager to be involved. Whatever the outcome, we must merge must work together to get the best for Great Dunmo and for Rattlesford. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Barron. Um, Nick Bahenko Smith. Not Nick. Not Nick. Well, Mr. Chairman, my name is Jennifer Bahenko Smith. I'm afraid Nick has got a bad cold and can't speak, so I hope you'll allow me to speak on his behalf. Okay. Okay, thank you. There are three topics I'd like to touch upon which the Circle Campaign Group believes highlight some of the risks related to the West of Braintree development. First of all, the recent workshop run by ACOM Consultants. ACOM held a workshop for campaign groups, parish councils and representatives from UDC and Braintree District Councils. The objective was to engage with the community to set out a design for the master plan for the West of Braintree. Felstead and Stebbing Parish Councils did not attend as they thought it was presented as a done deal. The Parish Councils that did attend were from within the Braintree District, Shalford, Great Sailing, Bardfield Sailing and Rain, and in fact UDC was represented by Mr Fox. The meeting was in two parts, however after some robust discussion during part one it was decided that local residents' involvement in part two could not be justified. 
Why was this? The issues concerning residents were lack of specific data, what was the site boundary, how many houses were being proposed, over what time period, etc. Lack of consultation by Braintree District Council before the choice of sites had been published. The independence of the consultants ACOM, they're also representing one of the landowners selling land for the west of Braintree site. The whole programme of work seemingly was driven by Colchester Council and they were ambiguous and what seemed premature, inappropriate questions being asked of the participants in part two. However, what came across from Circle's conversations with the parish councillors afterwards was a complete lack of trust in the whole process. The session ended with a polite thank you. However, we suspect that all trust and local support from the representatives there and the campaign groups has been sadly undermined and may be lost. Secondly, I'd like to talk about Andrewsfield Aerodrome. Andrewsfield is not only a flying school that is qualified to train both future commercial pilots and flying instructors, but a local popular club with a thriving bar and cafe. Many of the pilots there have gone on to obtain airline qualifications and now fly commercial jets, including from Stansted. If Stansted is to grow, then it needs the sorts of airfields like Andrewsfield to train pilots. It also has commercial links with an airfield, Naples American, based in Florida, USA, where Andrewsfield provides training. It has a Met Office weather station, which would have to close down if West of Braintree proposal goes ahead. And it also serves the local residents, not just the privileged few who know how to fly aeroplanes. Visitors include charity days, motorcycle groups, cycle walks, walkers, family days out. It's a non-scheduled monument to the US, Polish and UK pilots who flew there in World War II. Should UDC proceed with West of Braintree proposal, Circle suspects a very good justification will be needed to convince local residents, stakeholders and maybe the planning inspector why they are supporting the closure of part of the UK's aviation infrastructure, contrary to UK aviation policy, when other potentially better sites are available. And we circle the campaign group has issued an invitation to Uttlesford district officers and would welcome any councillors to come to the airfield and look at it for themselves. You, you have had your three minutes. Finally, I'd like to discuss the five-year land supply. UDC have worked hard to maintain their five-year land supply and appreciate the consequences of not having that supply in place. It may or may not have come to the um, Council's attention that Braintree District Council are not only unable to prove a five-year land supply, as confirmed at a recent planning appeal, where the inspector noted and Braintree Council confirmed that Braintree District Council do not have a five-year land supply, but over the last three years, Braintree District Council has been building only an average of 371 houses when their target is close to 850. At a recent planning meeting, the Braintree councillors were unable to show any future projections. Circle believes Braintree's housing strategy, both short and long term, is starting to fail due to their insistence on rejecting smaller sites for new long-term new towns and proposals such as West of Braintree. So I'd like to leave you with this question. Does Uttlesford District Council want to risk its own local plan by affiliating itself and cooperating with a district council whose five-year land supply is at significant risk when your own, your own local plan is much more secure? Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mrs. Bahenko-Smith, and to, to all our speakers. I think it would be helpful if we may. You all seem to have got a uh, pre-written script if you're able to uh, let um, officers, perhaps via you, Sarah, 
Oh, Maggie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to have have the script so that we've we've got that. Uh, that would be very helpful. Um, uh, we won't uh, obviously uh, reply to uh, any of those points individually, except to make uh, two key points. One, I think you've got the the um, the impression tonight that we paused the plan, and each of these areas are being reconsidered in some detail. So I would hope that all the questions uh, that you are posing, uh, there will be an answer to. But I do emphasise the point, I and mean, we haven't had speakers tonight from Saffron Warden or Chesterford. We did when we had our public, uh, when we had our extraordinary council meeting, and I made the point then, and I'll make it again tonight, that uh, those four areas I indicated at the beginning of the meeting that we are looking at particularly, uh, are, uh, some or all of them will have houses built on them. Uh, I think we do need to appreciate that because we've got to build at least, maybe more, 4,600 or find homes for at least 4,600 homes and bluntly they have to go somewhere. Now what we're trying to do is to make sure that they're going in the most, most appropriate place and that the evidence, and this plan has always been evidence driven, that the evidence indicates that these are the right places. So um, thank you for all your contributions. Um, Colleagues, uh, we are now on item six, so I throw that open to the floor. You, you've had the economic viability study from um, Malin's Associates um, and um, uh, also the brief paper at the beginning on uh, Gypsy and Traveller sites, which does seem to have um, solved itself in the sense that we don't have to find any. So that's one, one piece of... Uh, uh, positive news, uh, but in terms of the other paper, the economic viability of the way it's been c conducted, um, any of its outcomes, uh, open to the floor. Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Mr Chairman. I'm um, a, little, a little bit confused, and maybe it's just that this is perhaps out of date, but in recent times we've been looking particularly at, at three new settlements. Uh, I wondered why, why then we have this in-depth uh, analysis of uh, about eight, depending on which ones you amalgamate, and um, have, have, we, have we in fact thrown out about five of them, or are they still all actively in play? I'll get officers to respond to that, but obviously the, 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 this piece of work was looking at the economic viability. It didn't necessarily examine some of the other criteria, but uh, Mr. Harper and Mr. Glenday, who I'll, wants to take that question? I can, I can Mr. Take Fox. Up, I can right, up, Chairman. You. Yes, uh, uh, essentially it's to, to ensure a level playing field. So in other words, these were, all those sites were submitted under the call for sites. They were the major, uh, if you like, <coughs> potential uh, new sites. So simply, it's a simple matter of us being consistent, Chairman, just to make sure that we treated them all exactly the same. That's the answer to the question. Councillor Dean. I'm, ref I'm referring to page um, 21, the um, table of actions, um, local plan evidence base update. Uh, just over halfway down, there's a reference to transport, it says that um, various scenarios are being looked at, including Saffron Walden study update from the county, Junction 8, which refers to the M11. Um, what's not mentioned, and really what, what I'd like to understand, is where, where in, within this, is, um, is there a study within this about the A11, the A1301 and the A505? Reference has been made to the north of the district. What I'm not clear about at the moment is how detailed the discussions are and the studies are on 
the road network in the north of the district and how that is being conducted in cooperation with, um, I guess it's Cambridge County Council primarily, but obviously Cambridge City and, um, and South Cambridge District. Can I understand what's happening in that area, please? Mr Fox. Yes, thank you, Chairman. Um, yeah, two, two points I think I would make. Firstly, that our transport assessment uh, does extend northwards out of Uttlesford District into Cambridgeshire, so it does and has been looking at the impact on the roads that you referred to. Um, so, and, and, and there obviously should be some there's a dialogue with the County Council on that point. In terms of the more general duty to cooperate discussions, uh, I have met uh, colleagues at uh, Cambridge City and South Cams, and there was actually um, a meeting scheduled to take place this week, which has to be postponed. And clearly, what we'll be talking to them about is some of those issues, and also clearly that the major. Um, item I guess being the, the potential for a new settlement at Great Chesterford and what that might mean for, for Cambridge City, South Cams and indeed uh, Cambridge County Council. So, so they, those discussions are very much ongoing and alive, Chairman. Thank you. Are, are, these, are, are these relatively newly started discussions or have they been taking place prior to the, the pause? They have been taking, sorry through you Chairman, uh, they, they have been taking place uh, prior to the pause. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. Um, on the retail study, it says it may need to take account of new numbers, stroke scenarios. Um, for the benefit of people that may be listening to this, that's a bit non-specific. Would it be possible to explain that in more detail, please? Again, through you, Chairman, yes. Um, yes, sorry, I didn't mean to be um, misleading or anything. Um, the new numbers... Uh, the leader referred to earlier on actually in the meeting is that, that there is the potential that we might be having to find more uh, homes over the plan period than we were originally planning because of the new uh, population projections. So, that, so that, that is the numbers that has been referred to there, Chairman. I'm sorry, what are the scenarios? You've mentioned numbers, but what are the scenarios? We're coming to that later on in the evening for the, oh, you, in oh, the well workshop. That's, oh, okay, well that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. Any other matters on item six? Yes, Mr Chairman. Could I come on to the study itself and the, um, um, the, the logic behind it, if you like? Uh, under 3.3, which is uh, page 31, so talking about the approach of the study, they said we developed a bespoke assessment framework for this. I wonder why, um, why we did that. Sorry? And uh, item three, to, our approach to the to economic study. viability study. Page 31, 3.3. So the consultants, for some reason, developed their own bespoke assessment. If I just go, go on to say, um, it's, it's a bit, bit, bit surprising in that the TCP under Garden City Principles has a, a, a pretty good methodology for it and as we're heading hopefully towards the Garden City scenario for, for, for one or two of the advances we're going for, why have, we, why have we allowed them to do this? What's the point in it and why didn't we follow a very well defined and understood and used methodology? And I'll have a bit of a supplementary to that Mr Chairman. After. Just 
Sorry, the, the methodology was developed in consultation with the developers. So I'm, I'm not sure, so that, they, so that the assumptions that the um, consultants made in relation to all those things that are noted in paragraph 3.6, sales rate, sales values, which are very much you know, going to be specific to Uttlesford, um, that there was some agreement that, that the developers were happy with the values and assumptions that were being applied to show whether the sites were viable or not. I can't answer what, whether um, Garden City Developments um, do a viability methodology or not. I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that. Um, but uh, this company do viability assessments. As, uh, that's their, their role. And they've developed... Um, this uh, framework which was then made sure that the developers were happy with the assumptions that were being um, made to that in the costs to show whether the sites would be viable or not. I think this is quite a specific I, I, I fully take your point. Uh, we don't have to reinvent the wheel, but I don't think the wheel has been reinvented here. If you look at uh, Para 2 context, uh, so this was, this was this, don't forget this is all about economic viability, um, and um, therefore they were looking at eight potential sites, as you've already indicated, um, not all of which were going to be destined to be garden cities, so presumably there had to be some kind of comparative criteria built into that. So uh, I would imagine the word bespoke here is bespoke to these particular you know, this particular situation with the eight settlements. But it's then, you know, the formula which is then outlined in the paper is then fairly clear. So I think it is a, you know, a good comparative one, one site against another from an economic viability point of view. Obviously, it doesn't cover other ground, but um, that's not, not its objective. And it comes to the conclusion that all sites actually were viable. Um, Yes, yes, but 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 not our, but not I would suggest as Garden Cities, and you say that wasn't that wasn't the assessment. But but really, my supplementary to that, and it's an important part, I think, is the thought that hopefully we are looking for Garden City developments, the one or two that that we choose. Um, I, th I think we've pretty well said that. I'm I'm not sure, but I would I would urge uh, officers and uh, anybody else on the council who is involved to say that we really ought to go down that, that route. Uh, and as I've probably said before, we may be a little bit behind on this in that um, three other um, districts in, uh, in, in the county have, 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 have gone down that road of taking formal advice. And uh, it was said that we're a bit behind them. I'm not sure that we are. I would hope that it's soon, it's soon time to get onto the official roundabout for the Garden City route. And, and I hope, and it's a plea, that we do get onto it. Yeah, well, I can say from my point, I'll let, uh, I don't know which officer, Mr. Harborough, uh, talk about this, but as far as the policy of the council, we are absolutely supportive of Garden City principles. So on this area, Council Lodge, you and I are in total agreement. So, um, now, the council, because as you know, it does require a substantive investment. So wearing a different hat, the council would have to decide how much of an investment it wished to make. So, uh, and we also know that some of our developers are very happy to go on Garden City principles, but do not necessarily need uh, our financial support to do that. So there will be different scenarios in terms of the execution, but the principle of, of Garden City principles for the development absolutely right. The idea that the infrastructure goes in at the beginning, that uh, we're uh, um, intrinsically involved in the design, the shape uh, of, of the uh, development is absolutely uh, 
fundamental to it. But, and I don't think we are actually behind uh, the others. We're, we're involved now with, you know, we're, we're having dialogue with Garden City Development corporation we're having dialogue with DCLG uh, the fact that the other three areas have set up um, uh, a, a corporation which we can join as you know uh, I don't think we're in any disadvantageous position on that at all but I'll let Mr Harper add to that no, I've got nothing to add to that leader thank you no. could I just come back with a, with a brief point on that and you, you mentioned an investment I, I, it was my understanding that almost the, uh, the first garden city principle is on the capture of the planning gain for the uh, for, for, for the uh, for the community uh, mr. Harbour seems to disagree with me yeah um, we certainly cannot take that particular principle as advocated town and country planning into account in choosing between but when we get there we will we will we will aim to 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 make that capture of value because it's an enormous opportunity for the district surely that can't be a planning objective, I'm afraid. In answer to your... Uh, it, it's slightly wearing a different hat. So in terms of the, uh, you, you know, the plan, the build-out, what it looks like and all the rest of it, absolutely. To what extent uh, the um, council wishes to invest itself in that, as opposed to some of the other opportunities... Uh, that it might wish to invest in that is a slightly different um, scenario which we'd have to give very careful consideration because clearly uh, the council would be mindful of how much debt it wishes to take on um, so I hope that answers your question so that in, in principle we absolutely agree it's, it's, it's about how much of that so if we went for three new garden city developments would we Uttlesford District Council want to invest in all of them not, not whether they'd all be garden cities. That's a given. Yeah? Yes, OK. I'll, I'll reserve judgment on that. There's a, there's a long way to go. But I'm, yeah, encourage, yeah. I'm encouraged by what you say that we are looking at garden Absolutely. city principle no. because it's, it, it's a massive ongoing opportunity for the finance of the district, let alone providing the housing that we need. Yeah, OK. Uh, Councillor Dean. May I um, explore the... Um new report that's um, referred to at the bottom of page 21, the updated employment land report, which apparently is going to be based on a, a new um, East of England model or 2016 version. We, we, um, we heard earlier this evening from Mr Hindley when he was talking about, um, in the context of Little Eastern, about where people come from to work and I think it's a fairly well known fact that a lot of people who do work at uh, Stansted Airport come from outside the district Tottenham was mentioned, uh, Suffolk I think is, a, is, is, is another place where a lot of people come from um, so, so we provide jobs or the district provides jobs into which people come to work and equally well people travel out of the district to work obviously to London and other places. One of the things that um, I'm, I'm wondering whether this revised report will address somewhere is, is the issue that I've raised in the past and it's in, in response to a point that has been made on more than one occasion that if, this, if we in this district build homes in the north of the district or adjacent to the Cambridgeshire border 
then we will be providing houses for Cambridgeshire rather than for Uddlesford uh, because a lot of people who um, might live uh, a lot of people who might live there will want to go to jobs in Cambridge just as of course people from where I live Stansted go to Cambridge to work so what I'm what I'm really coming around to is this is a, this is a uh, a conundrum that I think we've got to get to the bottom of that there is no such thing as a brick wall along the A11 um, in the northern <coughs> district so how do we differentiate between houses we're building for this district and houses that we're building for apparently saying for, for other districts in order to bottom out this this um, this contradiction in my in my view will this report help us to address that, um, that, that, that dilemma or that contradiction? I, I think this report is going to talk about the employment land that we need to create uh, within Uttlesford, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, and um, as we've said many a time, a local plan is not just about houses, it's about everything else that goes with it, of which employment land is very important. And I think, we, I think there's probably cross-party support that we have 0.7 of 1% unemployment in Uttlesford, and that's where we want to keep it. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we want to build a huge car works or whatever in the centre of Uttlesford, but we do need to keep creating employment opportunities. Um, and uh, we certainly want our... Uh, very small businesses and as you, you know the, 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 the structure of business uh, in Uttlesford is that there is a significant number of very small businesses with less than five employees um, and that these grow and then grow again and it, you know our ambition is to be able to try and keep them as long as possible in, in Uttlesford. In terms of migration of, of where people work, that's a separate question and I'll let officers answer that. Um, and uh, we have a strong migration outwards um, and um, not a huge migration inwards, to be honest with you, in terms of employment. Um, but uh, I'll let answers, officers answer that. Mr Fox. Yes, yes, Chairman, you, you've covered most of the uh, points I, I was going to make. Uh, I think in, in terms of the, um, the, 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 the employment um, housing ratio, as we call it, or relationship is, a, is probably a better way of describing it, uh, this, this work will be looking at that to a certain extent, Chairman, and, and picking precisely the points that, that you were making about um, the, the, the out-migration from the district and things such as the uh, potential for employment growth at Stansted. Uh, but fundamentally, uh, there is in planning terms a, a relationship between, between homes and jobs, as, as, as one would expect. And clearly, if there's, a, if there's an upward trend in employment, people need to have homes to live in. So, so it will be looking at that, at that relationship as well as the specifics of, of where the employ, employment sites are, Chairman. Going back to uh, Councillor Dean's earlier comment about the relationship between Cambridgeshire, for example, that, that of course goes back to the strategic housing market areas and, and the fact that any district, and I'm sorry if I get into the, the jargon now for members of the public, but any local authority area will generally have more than one housing market area within it because of commu commuting patterns and things like that. And in our case, the best fit is with the, what is called the uh, East Hertfordshire and West Essex uh, housing market area covering districts of East Hearts, Epping, Harlow and ourselves. Although the northern part, and you're absolutely quite right, Councillor Dean, the northern part of Uttlesford does relate more to Cambridge's 
Cambridge City and Cambridge's housing market area. So there's never an exact, it's never an exact fit, as it were. And what one has to go for, Chairman, is to, is to find the best fit. Um, if In answer to your... I think it's an important thing. It is, of course. It has been suggested in the past that there's, a, as I said, a brick wall along the A11 and that yeah. any house that we build anywhere near it means that it's being built for Cambridgeshire. And that still doesn't make sense. And, and, and I will keep pursuing this. No, of course. We understand. And I hope we have uh, more time to discuss it in greater detail on another occasion. Thank you. Good. Any other points? In which case, uh, we'll conclude. There isn't a, a, a recommendation or a vote on that. That was a report to note. Um, the uh, only other item on the meeting is to say that the date of the next meeting is on the 10th of January. I think that's still going to be a little bit early for all the reports that uh, we have uh, commissioned to be back. Uh, so don't be disappointed if the agenda is light. But if there's anything particularly you want to discuss, then let officers know and we'll make sure that that is covered. Uh, but then, as I say, as we start to get the, the, the reports back, then so the pace will, will take off. But all your points, uh, I hope, will be taken into account. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for your time um, and good night.